0: Today I want to. I want. We've started off the year, and I I shared with you that I had a burden from the Lord that this was to be the year of God's word in our lives. That we would refocus on the importance of God's word. That we would dive into God's word. That we would read through God's word this year. And uh, I'm I'm doing great so far because when I get on the treadmill in the morning, I put on my audio Bible. And so I'm about 30 minutes, you know, into the Word. And and it it helps my my exercise go by quick because I'm focused on the Word and reading the Word. And I just encourage you to dive into God's Word this year. And let's declare the year of God's Word over our lives. That we believe this is the Word of God, that we're going to do our best to live by God's word and we welcome him to empower us to do that and we want to know God's word we want greater revelation and understanding of God's word and we're going to apply it in our lives well today I want to take a facet of that I want to talk to you about attitudes and the approach that we should have towards scripture a couple of weeks ago I was talking about Scripture and about the external evidence that we have that this is the Word of God. There's internal evidence and there's external evidence. External ev- evidence has to do with the scientific study of biblical criticism. It has to do with uh, the accuracy of the original text and how that, that we have the original text brought to us today. And we looked at all that there's also an in- internal evidence and that's the greatest evidence to me and that is that when I read God's Word and I received Jesus into my life my life has ever been changed amen forever I've been changed I'm not the same anymore God's Word is powerful and th- and that's why we want God's Word proclaimed in this world well today I want again I want to look at the attitudes and the approach That we should have to study scripture so if you have a notebook if you have a a bulletin or something in your hands i want you to grab a pen because i want you to write some of these these principles down i'm going to give you three principles and then seven guidelines in how to study scripture and this is very important in john chapter 7 i'm going to begin there today verse 16 and 17. Jesus answered them and said, My doctrine is not mine, but his who sent me. The reason Jesus said that is because they were mocking and ridiculing Jesus because he hadn't been trained by a master rabbi. And because he hadn't been trained by a master rabbi, they thought, well, Jesus is only teaching His opinions. And so Jesus is addressing that. And He says, says to them, My doctrine is not mine, but he who, His who sent Me. He's saying the Father. God the Father. He says, I'm teaching what God the Father has given me to teach. Then verse 17. If anyone wills to do His will, He shall know concerning the doctrine or the teachings, whether it is from God or whether I speak on my own authority. That is a powerful scripture. I want you to grasp that. Jesus is saying if anyone has a desire, their will is to do the will of God, then God will enable us to know that the doctrines or the teachings of Jesus are from the father amen so it starts with us it starts with us do we want to know god do we want to know his will for our lives do we want to live for him and he says if we have that desire and we engage our will god i want to know you that is so powerful to me because i wouldn't be here today if my grandfather hadn't prayed that prayer I've shared it many times, he was dying of tuberculosis. He was hemorrhaging blood. And he knew he was dying. And he said, God, if there is a God, I want to know you before I die. And because he had that sincere desire, God led him down the streets of Tulsa, Oklahoma. And he heard music from a little Assembly of God church. And he went in through those doors And he encountered a pastor who had been listening to God and God laid on his heart that there was going to be someone who was going to come in that needed to know Jesus that day and that needed healing. And God miraculously healed my grandfather and he received the greatest miracle in that he came to know Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. So this this is so powerful because I've seen it in my own family and I wouldn't be here today because my dad hadn't been born so if my grandfather hadn't said God I want to know you if there's a God I wouldn't be here today so somebody say praise God pastor Mills here today there's another verse that I want you to think about in Jeremiah twenty-nine, thirteen. And you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. Those kind of go together. If we engage our will. We say, God, I'm seeking you. I want to know you. God will not disappoint you. When you seek, with him, seek him with all your heart, you will find Him. That's God's promise. Amen? Amen? I want to give you a couple of statistics that are interesting. Today there are 717 different languages that we have translated the entire Bible into. 717 languages that we've translated the Old and the New Testament into. There are over 1,500 languages that the New Testament has been translated into. 1500. And then portions of the Bible, such as many times when we discover a new language, an isolated group of people, we will take like the Gospel of John and translate just the Gospel of John because it kind of condenses the whole of who Jesus is and his ministry and salvation and redemption, and will translate just the Gospel of John first, and then present that to the to the people. And that has been done three thousand three hundred and twelve different times in different languages. So of the of the total of the total of 7,097 languages that are currently spoken in the world today, there's no other book that comes anywhere close to being translated into the majority of languages other than God's Word. Why? Because those that have come to read His Word and have been transformed by the Word of God understand that this is not just another book. It is the Word of the living God that has been passed down to us. It transforms hearts and lives. And we desire that everyone in the whole world has the opportunity to read the Word of God. Amen? Now there's three principles I want us to look at in in interpreting Scripture the first thing we need to do in studying Scripture is in the interpretation of Scriptures in other words what does it literally mean what is God speaking to us what was he speaking to the people in that day in that time now There's a technical term called the inductive method. Everybody say inductive method. And that is the proper way to study Scripture. Inductive means you observe what is there and you draw your conclusions on the basis of what is said. So in other words, we're not coming with a preconceived idea and we're trying to prove our idea... We're coming and saying, this is the Word of God. What does it literally mean? What is God speaking to mankind? Now, the opposite method of inductive is deductive. And that's what I just kind of described. It's where, where we view the Bible coming from a point or an opinion, and we're trying to find a proof text for what we want it to say. How many people know that happens? Amen? I've gotten, I've had a lot of humor in the past through the years when people would come and they'd say, well, pastor, this is how God speaks to me. I just kind of, she weeps bitterly in the night. Lamentations chapter 1 verse 2. Now I know that God could still speak to people that way. But that's not the best way to study God's Word. Amen? Now the deductive method is not invalid all the time. And I'll give you an example of that. Say, Say that you want to study worship and music. So you, you look for passages where worship and music are connected. Okay, you have a preconceived idea there. But when you go to those passages, then instead of deductive, you use what? Yes, inductive. So then you go to see what God is saying about those two subjects in this portion of Scripture. So that's important. So first you observe, observe and you look at what's there. What do you see in the Bible and you read it and observe. The second thing is that you want to interpret it. This is not imposing your ideas, as we talked a while ago. It means on the basis of what is there. What is the obvious meaning? Because sometimes we, we look at the Word and we try to come up with very uh, varied meanings that aren't just evident to us in Scripture. So the more you study the Word, the more you will find out what the Word means and its It will always be intricate. In other words, it's going to be unified. In other words, it's going to fit together. In other words, you're not going to read something here in, in one portion of Scripture, and there's going to be other verses that are contrary to it. And that's important. Because sometimes you will encounter a verse that appears to be contrary to something else that God's Word's saying. And if you find one that appears that way, then you need to dig deeper. You need to read other verses because there will be another verse that will bring those two thoughts or ideas together. And, and we know this for a fact because there have, there have been for years and years Bible scholars that have continued to study God's Word. And guess what? The Bible scholars all come to the fact That it's a unified word of God, Amen. It's amazing because there's forty authors, approximately, over a period of fifteen hundred years, writing in three different languages, and yet there's an ultimate unity in the body of in in the Word of God in this whole body of books. So why why does that happen? Over 1,500 years, over 40 different people with different cultures. And God uses all of those individuals and He's bringing together His Word and it's all unified. Because, why church? Because it's the Holy Spirit in the the men that were writing it that are bringing forth the, the Word of God. I love that. Now the third thing, after we study inductively and we observe and we interpret, we should, what? This is very important. Turn to somebody and tell them, "This is really important. Listen. We apply it in our lives. Amen. It's not going to do us any good at all if we study and we just have intellectual knowledge. We know what God's requiring of us. We know what God wants to do in our lives. But then we say, "That's okay." No, we have to come with hearts that are open and say, "God, I want to live according to the Word of God." And here's a verse for you in James chapter one, verse twenty-two: "Be doers of the word and not hearers only." deceiving yourselves did you hear that we deceive ourselves if we're only hearers of the word and not doers of the word for if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror for he observes himself goes away and immediately forgets what kind of man he was but he who looks into the perfect law of liberty notice God describes His law as a law of liberty. God wants you to live in the freedom that comes from knowing His Word. From the perfect law of liberty and continues in it. That's important. So not only do we know God's Word, we begin to live God's Word, but we continue to live in God's Word and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work. This one, listen to this, will be blessed in what He does. There's a guarantee you're going to live a blessed life if you determine to know God's Word and to live by it. Amen? How many want to be blessed? Then God's given us, get His Word, which leads us to the ultimate life that we can live on this earth. Amen? There's another verse. In John chapter 8, verse 31, then Jesus said to those Jews who believed Him, if you abide in My Word, you are My disciples indeed. You can't call yourself a disciple if you're not going to abide in the Word of God. And you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. We can't know the truth unless... We study the truth. We can't know the truth. It will be distorted if we come with our own opinions and try to make God's Word prove our opinion. Then it's distorted. For years, the Bible was kept away from the general public, from the masses of people. It was kept away. Why? Because those that were in leadership in the church in ancient times, didn't think that people would be able to read God's Word and comprehend and understand it. But then the Great Reformation came and God was speaking to men in leadership and they they said, according to God's Word, every believer has a priesthood in Jesus Christ. Amen? And every believer has the right to read God's Word. And from that time on, there were men that gave their lives, they literally died because they were taking the Word of God and and printing it and trying to take it to the entire world. Today, we continue on this journey. Amen? I love God's Word. I've I've shared with you many times. You go into my office and I can't even tell you how many Bibles I have in my office. I have Bibles that were my grandfather on both sides that they preached from, that they taught from. I have other uh, special Bibles that are kind of heirloom keepsake Bibles. Then I have uh, Bibles from various great men of God that I respect that have different commentaries in them. and I, I thank God for them and the commentaries give us background many times and help us to understand passages better but I don't equate some man's commentary with the Word of God. And, and I'm excited, church, because we are we're continuing to take this principle of the Reformation and get Bibles into the hands of people that have never read the Word of God. In March, God willing, I'm going to return for a couple of weeks to Pakistan. And my goal is to take as many Bibles as we can in the Urdu language to present them to people that have never had and never read the Word of God. We can purchase the Bibles there for $6 for an entire Bible, a hardback copy, in their language. And so I I encourage you to join me in this effort. One day when I get to heaven, I want to encounter someone from Pakistan that will come up with a smile on their face and say, I found Jesus because you gave and I got to read His Word. Amen. So third, we study inductively, we observe, we interpret, and then we apply the Word of God into our lives. Now I want to give you quick seven principles that will help us to do that. First of all, make sure you're right with the Lord. Really? Yeah. Make sure you're right with the Lord. My grandfather, he didn't know how to get right with God, but he showed that effort. He cried out, knowing he was dying, and said, God, if there is a God, and he was speaking about the true and the living God, I want to know you. So it's not only becoming born again, according to John chapter 3, a spiritual birth, and if you're here today and you've never experienced that spiritual birth where you invite Jesus into your heart and life, there's no better time than today. But it's not only that, but it's coming with an honesty in in the presence of God and saying, God, I want to know Your Word. I want to live by Your Word. So we come making sure we're right with God. Now the second guideline. Be determined to find out what God intended to teach. Not what you want Him to teach. Bible study in itself is not enough. We have to apply it. And I want to ask you this. When you, how do you respond when you come to a, a passage of Scripture and all of a sudden you feel the presence of the Holy Spirit Convicting you because the way you're living doesn't line up with what God's Word's saying. You kind of flip the pages and go on? Come on, be honest. That's our flesh. I'll come back to this some other day. Or do we stop and say, God, forgive me. Help me, Lord. I want to live according to your word. Let your Holy Spirit empower me that I can be the man or the woman of God that you want me to be, that you call me to be. Lord, I want to live a blessed life. And you've promised when I live according to your word. So Lord, help me to understand what your word is saying to me and use it as a guideline for the way I live. Some people want to change God's Word. Some people want to say, well, that's not really what it's saying. I've met people like that. I mean, it'll be there plain as day, you know. Well, that's not really, I don't think that's really what it's saying. Read God's Word. Receive God's Word. Amen? Third guideline, third guideline. Get the most accurate text that you can get. Now, we could spend a whole Sunday morning on different translations, but I know there are some translations that are paraphrased. And those translations kind of take the general thought and put it into English and we can read it and comprehend it. But if we're really going to study God's Word, we need an exact translation where it's a word by word translation. And there are, there are several good translations. I know when you go to Greek class in Bible school, they would always use the NASB, New American Standard, Standard Bible, because the Greek was very literal and, and they would use it in the Greek class. So there are other good translations, the literal translations. I use the, the New King James. It's, it's a good translation word-by-word word translation. Why do I do that? Because I w- I'll come across a word and I'll, I'll think I understand it in English, but then I'll, I'll want to know what the original language meant. Amen? Because sometimes the original language, it's difficult to take a word in, in Hebrew or Greek or Aramaic and, and translate it into just one English word. We, we need to do a little study Amen? Now there's various helps that will enable us to do that. I, I have um, a, sec, a complete word study um, set of the New Testament and the Old Testament. And it, it's about this long with very different books that are all about this thick. And it goes into every word in the Old Testament and the New Testament and tells you the original way the word was used and how to understand it and sometimes there's depending on it, the the word and how it's used in a certain uh, passage it can have a little variation in the meaning so how many have a strongest concordance that's a good place to start yeah so when you come across a word like that it's important 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 and 17 says, All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine or for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. God wants us to be complete. He wants us to be thoroughly equipped for every good work that He's called us to do. The whole of Scripture is given to teach all about the foundational things in our lives. Did you get that? In other words, it doesn't matter what we're facing, what kind of struggle, the answer is found in the Word of God. Amen? Another verse that I love is in Joshua in the Old Testament. Joshua chapter 1, verse 8. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. How many different books do we see in in Barnes and Noble on how to be successful? Let me tell you right now, none of them compare to the Word of God. He promises us if we read it and we apply it in our lives we live this way we will prosper and be successful amen the fourth thing interpret the words used in any verse according to the bible usage okay in other words we let the bible interpret the bible many times people will take an english dictionary and they'll, they'll try to figure out a word and try to understand it better. And that, that, that may work about 80-85% of the time. You'll, you'll kind of get an understanding. But that doesn't give you the fullness of the original language like we were talking a while ago. And, and just to show you, I want to turn to one of my favorite verses. It's in Hebrews chapter, Hebrews chapter uh, 13. Turn, turn to Hebrews chapter 13. I love this. Most of you that have been here any length of time have, have heard this. Verse 5 in, in Hebrews chapter 13, the last part of the verse says, For He Himself has said, God Himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Now how many are thankful for that? Amen. But what we don't understand when we read that in the English is the fact that the word never has a much greater, more powerful meaning in the original language. It's actually a compounded negative. In other words, it's a forever never. And and to put it into English with that kind of uh, power or strength, it would read more like this. God is saying, I will never, no, not ever, no, never leave you or forsake you. Now, don't you love that? But if you look up leave and you look up forsake and you see how it was used in Scripture, it becomes even more powerful to you. And so I'm going to read the whole thing if you take all the different ways that it's used in Scripture. This is, this is the, what God's trying to get across to us. I will never, no, not ever, no, never give up on you, abandon you, leave you behind, cause you not to survive, leave you helpless, nor shall I ever relax concerning keeping my presence with you. You see what I'm talking about, church? Church? So we want to we wanna dive deep into the word of God. We want, want to understand the power that, that's there and 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 let the Bible interpret the Bible. How is it u- this same word used here? How is it used here? You can <clears throat> you can also take a word like uh, baptize or baptizo, and and you can take that word. How is it used in this time period? Well, it was, I'll give you two ways that, that baptize was used. One, it was used when they would dye a garment. They would put the garment into the dye and it would be saturated. Amen? Another way they would use is when a ship sunk in that day and the ship was not just filled with water on the outside, but the water would rush into every compartment of the ship and it would sink. And that word is used when the Bible talks about being baptized in the Holy Spirit. Amen? So God says... I want the Holy Spirit to saturate every part of your being and to, to enter into every hidden room that you try to close off. I want it to be open and let the power of my Spirit fill your life. Amen? So it's important that when we study, we understand these things. One more word is the word righteousness. The word righteousness in the English dictionary reads, acting in an upright or moral way. But the biblical idea of righteousness is different. And and we can get off track if we just use our idea of righteousness. Because the Bible says our righteousness is as filthy rags. Amen? Our best deeds fall short of the glory of God. So God isn't calling us to grit our teeth and say, I'm going to be a good little boy. He's saying you can't be a good little boy unless you surrender everything to me and my presence and my power fills your life and I will enable you to live like I've called you to live. Amen. That's the righteousness that God's word speaks about. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. For He made Him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in Him, in Jesus. The only way that we can live the life is in Jesus. It's surrender to Jesus, having the power of the Holy Spirit equip us and empower us to walk the walk and to talk the talk amen you know what happens when we get off track and we we start saying well if you're going to be a part of our church here's the list you can do these things and you can't do these things you get off track it becomes legalism amen and that's how cults are started honestly It's man's ideas instead of surrendering to God and allowing Him. Another example is in Luke 18. Remember the story of the persistent widow and coming to the judge and she cries out and cries out and cries out. How many have ever read that and thought Jesus was teaching that God's like this judge And you've got to cry and cry and cry and maybe after a while god will relent and answer your prayer if you read it at first at face value you can come up with that conclusion but that is not what jesus is teaching jesus is teaching by comparison in other words if this old judge that really doesn't care and love this widow will finally give in and give her justice because she's persistent in crying out to Him, how much more will the God our Father who loves us and wants the best for us, He, he will intervene when we cry out to Him. Just keep being persistent. Sometimes there's spiritual warfare. Sometimes there's other things. Sometimes it's just not the right timing. But we continue in prayer knowing that God is just and God's going to answer our prayers. And finally, number seven, the Holy Spirit is the best interpreter of the Bible. Amen? Jesus said in John chapter 6, verse 63, the words that I speak to you are spirit, and they are life. This is the greatest and the ultimate principle of Bible interpretation. And that is when we come and we begin to read, we ask the Holy Spirit to give us revelation, to give us understanding, to help us understand what God is speaking to us. From time to time, I'm given the opportunity to go and to pray for... Pastors, as we install them in my region, and one of the things that I love to pray, and I also do this with the candidates that are coming to to receive their credentials and go into ministry. At the very end of the credentialing uh, interview, I'll I'll have them come, and we'll all the, the all of us in there in the credentialing interview will pray for them. And one of the things we always pray is, Lord, give them fresh revelation as they read Your Word. Let it come alive to them. Amen? The Holy Spirit, when He helps us to understand what was the verse Jesus said there? The words that I speak to you are spirit and they are life. Life. So when... When we say Holy Spirit help me to understand the word of God and he helps us to understand he's bringing life to us. Amen. The only problem with this is when people think the Holy Spirit is giving them something in word in the word And it's not the Holy Spirit. So that's why it's important to apply all of the other six guidelines that we've talked about along with the seventh one. Because the Holy Spirit isn't going to contradict Himself. The Holy Spirit's going to show you the the meaning and it's going to come evident to you. In fact, again, this is how cults start. The the leader of the cult will say, God gave me a revelation, or God gave me a vision, or the Holy Spirit spoke to me. And this is something that nobody else has ever taught you. This is something that nobody else has ever seen in the whole world. Now here's some Kool-Aid. I want everybody to drink it. It's sad, but people get caught up in those things. And it's because they haven't studied the Word of God themselves. They haven't welcomed the Holy Spirit to give them that revelation to understand and to know the truth. Amen. So today, I know this message has been a little different than normal, it's been a little academic. But I felt very strongly, church, that we need to understand this and apply it in our lives. Amen? As a pastor, I don't want this Bible to be used as a coaster on the nightstand in your your bedroom. I don't want it to be used as a coaster in the living room on an end table. I don't want it gathering dust up on a shelf. Because the times that we're living in, they're increasing in evil. We're, we're coming upon times when, when the world says what's good is bad and what's bad is good. They're trying to teach our children in school things that are contrary to the Word of God. They're trying to pressure our culture to give in. They're trying to get the Christians to reevaluate what the Word says and to compromise the Word of God. And in the last days, they're going to be a remnant of people that are not going to compromise the Word of God. They're going to know the Word of God. They're going to quote the Word of God. They're going to live by the Word of God. And they're going to take the Word of God to the world. Amen? And that's who I want to be. I want to be a church like that. And I want you to be a a disciple of Jesus like that. I want you to stand if you will. I want our our prayer team to come, our worship team to come. And I want to pray for you. And then our prayer team is going to be in the back and across the front. And if you have a prayer need, we are a church that believes in the power of prayer. And we want to agree with you in prayer because God's Word says if any two agree as touching anything on earth, whatsoever they shall ask of the Father in heaven, it shall be done. That's God's Word. That's why every Sunday morning we take a few moments at the end of the service and we'll have our, our prayer team stationed around the auditorium we want to pray with you and agree with you. Because God hears and God answers you. But before you step out, if you, if you need a healing touch today, God's Word says that He's our healer. If you need forgiveness today, maybe you've done something that's, that you know is just horrible, it's wrong. God's Word says that He forgives you you come to him you turn from that in repentance. whatever your need is today we want to pray with you but I want to pray a general prayer for all of us right now so bow your heads with me if you heavenly father I thank you for your word Lord I thank you for the simple principles and guidelines that, that we have talked about today that Align with Your Word to help us, Lord, to understand the Word of God better than we ever had. Lord, I pray for greater revelation in Your Word than I've ever had before, and I pray that for everyone here. Lord, I pray that we wouldn't come to the Bible and with our own agendas, with our own ideas, and try to make Your Word fit what we want. But Lord, we would come with hearts that are open to You, that want to live according to Your Word, that desire the blessing of God to be poured out in our hearts and lives. So, Lord, I bless each and every one here today. And I pray, Lord, for a greater understanding of Your Word, a greater desire in our hearts today to know Your Word and to apply it in our lives. Lord, that we wouldn't be deceived That when we hear something that is not true, we would know that it's not the truth. And Lord, that we we would know the truth because the truth sets us free and You desire for us to live unencumbered, to live in the freedom of the Lord Jesus Christ. So Lord, I just pray that everyone in this building today would agree with me say, Lord, help us to have a desire to read your word, to understand your word clearly, and to apply your word in our lives. We ask you, Jesus, mighty name. Amen. As Mitch begins to play, if you have a need today and you'd like for us to pray with you, step out from where you are, and we'll be glad to pray for you here. joining us today. We look forward to connecting with you next time. And don't forget, you can support us by giving through the Church Center app or by going online at summitwc.com give.